Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. It's Chad Wilson. It's Emil Calamino, and we've got a lot to take. 2015 is going to kick off right, Mr. Calamino. I can tell you that right now. Plenty for us to talk about, wouldn't you say? Oh, there is a lot to talk about, right? Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm jacked up. There's a lot going on. We had some college football games go down. We had some people's feelings get hurt. We had uh, some shenanigans that many believe went down in Big D tomorrow. Can't wait to talk to you, my resident Cowboy fan, about what went down yesterday. You'll have to clue me in on a little bit of that. But before we get into all of that stuff, uh, I've got to start off on this sad note. Now, Emil, I've been on Facebook for about uh, five years, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. Right, right, right. I have never – there's been a lot that's happened in those five years. Uh, terrorist attacks, we had the – the, the things that went on in Ferguson, uh, so much has happened in five years, and nothing has dominated ever my timeline like Stuart Scott passing away yesterday. It was every post as I scrolled down through my timeline, um, just about every friend that I had, and I've got friends on Facebook from every walk of life, all had something to say about Stuart Scott that says a lot about the man, the impression that he left, and the way that he lived his life. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard not to... You know, it's hard not to be impacted by that. I mean, first of all, you know, 49 years old, you know, makes everybody start thinking. You know, it's a little bit, you know, usually when someone dies and they're 85, you say, well, we miss them, but they had a great run. When somebody dies and they're 49 and that talented, and you know, you say, wow, you know. So, yeah, it was, it was sad. I mean, he fought hard, and that was the other thing. I think people really, you know, admired the way he went about his business despite what had happened to him. And, you know, and the bad break he got and. Uh, you know, he got a bad break. What else can he you did. say? He, yeah, he definitely did, but uh, left a lasting impression on those who encountered him. And it's not just, you know, you see a guy on TV and you form a little uh, bit of an opinion uh, on him, you know, positive or negative. Um, you know, the opinions of, of Stuart Scott from those who had never met him were positive, but even more so for those who met him in person. Uh, I remember being a senior at the University of Miami, and uh, I wrote, I used to write a column for the school um, at, for the school newspaper, and they came in and did a story on me, ESPN, t- 
talked about me playing, talked about me writing the story, and it was the first time that I was ever featured on ESPN. I happened to be featured another time after that. But the studio host, at the time that the article was done, who'd they throw it back to? None other than Stuart Scott. It was, you know, within the first few months that he had um, received the job, and I'll always remember that, and I do have it on video. So uh, that's the semi uh, connection that I have with Stuart Scott, but very sad to see him go. He did, you know, kind of revolutionize the way highlights were done, wouldn't you say? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, I mean, the stuff he, he did and the way he went about it is going to be used forever. I mean, people, you know, highlights used to be boring. <laughs> You'd be sitting there yeah. going, okay, Calamino threw the ball to Wilson, and, and, and there's a touchdown. And I mean, he just totally took it to a new level. I mean, Yes, really cool. He, he, Good, cool he guy. He definitely did. And early on, he took some flack for it. Uh, you know, change is hard for people, I guess. But um, at the end of the day, though, he he did revolutionize things, and you saw a lot of people following those footsteps, especially on ESPN. That I mean, he kind of changed the way things were done on ESPN. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Stuart Scott, and and you know, prayers out to his family. And he has uh, he he has some children that are my age, so I you know I couldn't imagine myself uh, leaving my family at this point. So uh, definitely got a feel for that. So yeah, but yeah. It, I mean, it was it, tough all the way around. What can you do? I mean, just uh, tough tough to lose somebody like that that young. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Well, going from that to this. Emil, we, we had a we had a couple of very good college football playoff games. You know, you and I were critical of the system. Um, early Still am. I mean, year. I think at eight, I would stop being critical. I would say, okay, I accept what you've done. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm not. I'm not so critical. I've kind of had a complete about face, and you know, I started mentioning this about two or three weeks ago uh, that the college football playoff. Uh, or the lack of a, you know, what we would all call a legitimate maybe or a traditional playoff. Um, you know what? It makes college football unique. I've come to realize that through this year. The debates, the people being left off, uh, those arguing about whether or not they should have been in and you, we were not included or we're not champions this year, that makes college football unique. And, you know, if they did come out with a playoff system similar to one, uh, in in the NFL, then I guess it would just be a smaller version of the National Football League. Maybe, you know, perhaps it good would point. Be I mean, I can't argue. Brother. Good point. Yeah. So you've got you've got some stuff going on where you could talk about. You know, TCU going up and beating the hell out of Ole Miss, and you know that that's hours and hours of talk about. Maybe they should have been included, and so on and so forth. But that's not the reason that I brought this up. Right. Obviously, we had we had two very. Uh, I, we can't call we can't call Oregon beating Florida State an upset, but the final result was indeed surprising. No one expected a 39 no. point win for Oregon over Florida State. Obviously, we had the upset Ohio State over Alabama. But listen, Florida State, their fans were crying all year long about why they're not number one. They should be number one. They've won all their games, this, that, and the other. They fell from number one to number two and then down to number three. And I don't know, they may have touched even number four this year. And they were talking about, oh, well, we may not even be included in this thing at all. And we've won all our games. Hey, listen, I'm trying to tell you, Florida State, been saying this all year long. You play in the ACC. 
it's not a good football conference right now. I don't care how you want to cut it up, how you whatever way you want to roll that up, it's not a good football conference. Miami is a sub-500 football team, probably uh, next to Florida State, the most recognizable name in the conference. Kudos to Clemson for going out and beating a disinterested Oklahoma. And before you ACC fans try to say anything, yes, Oklahoma was disinterested. That's why you beat Oklahoma 40-6. to Point blank, period. Not interested in the bowl game. That sucks for Bob Stoops, but it is what it is. If you want to come out here and call me today and try and tell me you think Clemson in the ACC is 34 points better than Oklahoma, feel free to do so. I'm going to clown you silly when you call in. But outside of that, Emil, what in the world does that conference have? Can you tell me? Nothing. What's but you that know, conference? there's bigger – the IC with the IC, I mean, and that's the difference in college. I guess what you're saying is – because we don't have a playoff a la the NFL where all the teams play, we have to make some assumptions and judgments based on what we see. And, you know, if you were being honest with yourself, you knew all year watching the ACC, just as a football fan, as someone who watches it all the time, you're saying, this. when I watch this, it looks different than what happens when I turn on an SEC or a Pac-12 game. So, you know, you're almost lying to yourself. I don't think yourself. they see that. I don't think that they see that. And what's furthermore is after the game was over and they got their rear ends handed to them, and that's exactly what happened. You got pounded. You got destroyed on that football field by Oregon. I mean, you, it looked like you could play that game five more times, and that would be the result. You know, you just get run up off the field. Now, I've got respect for Florida State. There's no doubt about that. But the fans, especially the ones on social media, not so much. Bunch of crybabies, and that's what I saw when the game was over. Oh, but you know what? Listen, listen, don't just go off on Florida State. That Listen, social media. No, no, no. no, I'm going to reserve it for Florida State today because that's who deserves it. Well, you you know and I know. This is is the nature of social media anymore. I mean, if you're, you know, especially the way people use it with with sports and politics. But, Amos, they are the worst. They are the worst right now. The worst well, only because they're the most only right because now. they're the most recent. I agree with you. Right now they're really bad, but next week there'll be somebody else. Listen, people use this forum because it's it's easy to you know disseminate information and get people to to join in with you to cry about their sports teams. You know, I mean, for, you know, they the cry about Florida State. Who's there'll be a new one next week if somebody loses. Amo, the, they know, cried when they were winning. They cried when they were losing. They just all the time. It was yes, just ridiculous. I... And you know what they went and said? You know some of the things that I heard from several, well, as an SEC crew that did the game. What oh. can you guys expect? What can you guys expect? And it oh. seemed to me that they reveled even more in the Alabama loss than they were distraught about their own 39-point drubbing by Oregon. But isn't I that, listen, home. listen, you and I, I sent you a note this morning because it's funny, you and I are so different yet so alike in the way we think about things, and that usually plays out in this show sometimes when we do picks and analysis But because we don't talk about that stuff, and it ends up, yeah, you know what, these guys actually came up with the same on their own. But when you say that, that is where we're at today. People would rather revel in, in, in the failure of something or someone that's successful than worry about being successful themselves. I mean, that's that's it's just amazing. The, it's amazing. It's amazing the lengths at which they go through to do this stuff. It's just uh, it's it's mind-boggling. By the you way, you have to hear up SEC here. See, so you're 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 in that little you know pocket down there where it's like 
ACC, Jeff's in Miami, Florida State, obviously, and the SEC. I'm up here where you should have saw, I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to just see any of my timeline with Big Ten fans, just gleeful about how they, you know, this just shows you the SEC is not all that. And when I, you know, when I pointed out to them and I said, listen, I'm not an SEC fan per se. I mean, I'm a diehard USC Trojan fan. I bleed Cardinal and gold. But, I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest, I said to these guys. You're saying they had a bad bowl season, and for them they did. They ended up 7-5 and five in the bowls. It was the second-best record of any conference, major conference in bowl games. The Big Ten ended what, up 5-5, five and five, and they call it what, a what great What did the SEC East do? Uh, how did they do? How did they fare this bowl season? I think they won every game. 5-0, and oh, something like that? Yeah, but no, but see, now well, – now, but they, but here's what they do. Now it's all oh, the vaunted SEC West. It's one conference. Let me help you. They went seven and five. Big Ten fans, you're all excited. Your conference went five and five. If you lose the championship game, you ended up under five hundred. Yet you consider it a great bowl season. Wow, great. You went five and six, maybe. Whew. Lighten it up. How did the Big Twelve do? <laughs> I think they won a game. That was TCU, or did they win two games somewhere? I don't know, but listen. Uh, they won. Well, any... Let me tell you this. I can tell you right now. Kansas State lost, right? So mm-hmm. uh, off the top of my head, and as we're talking, I'm just going to quickly look it up and we'll go through it because there's only seven teams that made a bowl there. Baylor lost. TCU won. Kansas State lost. Oklahoma lost. Texas lost. West Virginia lost. Oklahoma State won. They went 2-5. and five. Congratulations. Good job. Yeah, uh, absolutely. ACC went three and six, folks. Everyone wants all these all these people from these conferences want to talk about the SEC. So listen, if you're a Florida State fan, if you're a Florida State fan today, and you've got and you want to call, if you want to answer for your crybabiness, feel free to call into this show today three four seven six three three nine three six five. You tell me what you think you're going to be now that Jameis Winston is gone. Is he gone? Because he said he's he's throwing these little things like. I mean, I come think on, man, gone. that guy he's can't gone. come back. Can't come back, Amos. Well, can't. you know, the only people that could even start to have a conversation with the SEC would be a Pac-12 guy like me, and I'm not even starting that conversation. They're the only conference well, that's even in the discussion. Being, I think you're, I think you're being a little modest. All right, uh, I would say in this in this day and age, well, not this day and age, but I would say this year, call it this year. I would say the Pac-12 ended up being a better conference. But you know what, Amo? This year, that's one year. They put too much on bowl games. That's what I think. Too much is being put on bowl games. Because what happens a lot of times when you get to bowl games? If you're a really good team in a really good conference, you go to the bowl games missing a coordinator, or you're probably missing a head coach. Yes. You know, that kind of stuff starts happening to you. When you do well, people come and get your coaches. So a lot of times these guys go into this. If you're a if you if you're a really good SEC team that ended up having somewhat of an off season, let's say you played for a championship or in a major bowl game the mm-hmm. year before, and uh, this year you happen to go eight and four, and you're in a lesser bowl game, it is extremely difficult to get those kids motivated. Now, I may sound like I'm throwing that out there as an excuse, but it could very well be a reason. I'm a person who's been involved in that personally. I will tell. Generally you speaking, here's what I like to do. I think everything in life needs context. You can't take any one statistic or anything in and of itself and use it to make an argument. You could, but it's it's not it's not a very logical way. I like to look at out-of-conference games against the Power Five conferences because those games, everyone's motivated because it's September and October, okay? So I like to look at that. 
I like to look at how many how many guys they have playing in the NFL and are getting drafted every year, you know, generally speaking. Then I like to take the bowl games as one whole package, and that's why I say to you, while I appreciate, you know, the love you've given the Pac-12 this year, and I might even tend to agree with you that this year it was a better conference than the SEC, I need to see that for three, four, or five more years before I'm ready to come on here and start debating someone from the SEC. I think we're 1A. I think the Pac-12 is right there, but not quite what the SEC is. And and NFL draft picks would prove that out. It's the second-best conference churning out talent. I've sent Mm -hmm. you a link right now this year. We opened the 2014 NFL season. Most guys on NFL rosters, LSU 38, Southern Cal 37, Alabama 36, Florida 34, Georgia 33. Do you see the pattern there? Uh, absolutely, and this was a point I tried to make last week. You guys can say all that you want to say. The NFL is going to back a truck up to the SEC in April, and they're going to grab a whole bunch of players from this conference. There's nothing you can do about that. But, no, that you know, well, that's you know, all you need to know as far as if you're asking me where the best – and that's why I say to you, you know, I appreciate I, – listen, I think the Pac-12 is playing nice football, and it's, it's right there. I mean, the better teams in the Pac-12 could definitely compete you know, in the SEC, but top to bottom, I'm still saying it's 1A, the SEC. I need to see this for a while. I mean, one year does not make a pattern here. One, I Here's mean, a deadheaded argument that I heard. Well, the SEC has 14 teams in it. It only makes sense that they would have the most NFL players. I heard that one. <laughs> Why, the ACC? How many teams are in the ACC? There's, they've got 14. 14. But it, is the ACC not – are they not second? The they were that that flipped that flipped and they were second but they were like seven ahead of the of the Pac-12 at one point and then kind of flipped the Pac-12s they got 12 teams obviously well I shouldn't say obviously because sometimes you could be called oh, the Big 12 and have 10 teams yeah exactly exactly uh, another thing that's on the docket and rolling around and again Florida State fans or you know fans of any team and by the uh, way can I just say one more thing. That Time out. Let me give this number out. Just, okay. Let me give the number out. If you want to call in today and, uh, you know, you, got, you, want, you want to share your thoughts on uh, what's gone down so far in this bowl season and your feelings about the SEC, whether that's east or west, and about Florida State, and you want to call in and let us know why you cry so much, the number to call is 347-633-9365. I'm going to say it again for some of you Florida State fans. Three four seven six three three nine three six five. So, uh, you wanted to say something, Amy? Yes, you were saying the overall composition of rosters by conference. At one point last year, it was the the ACC had eight more players than the Pac-12. But don't forget one other thing, and we're talking about where we stand now and moving forward. That was because of the large number of Miami players that were in mm-hmm. the NFL and are now cycling through their careers. Many of them mm-hmm. uh, retiring. Uh, that's going to change rapidly as you see the influx of Pac-12 talent. Matter of fact, I think you're going to see a big drop-off in the ACC because Miami ain't producing NFL talent like it did for 25 years. I'm sorry to say uh, that that is the case, and it's probably something else that should be addressed on this show today. Um, uh, One thing concerning Miami that is making the news here in the last 24 to 48 hours is that the University of Miami is going to be dropping their relationship with Nike and they're going to be taking up a new relationship with Adidas. And that has some people up in arms, others uh, crying about it, others laughing about it. I, I, don't, I don't know. What is, what's the big deal? Adidas I don't know. Makes, 
I like sports paraphernalia. I think Nike makes nice stuff, and so does Under Armour. I'm not real high on Adidas. Other than that, I couldn't give a crap. <laughs> well, you got people talking about it, and there's others that think it's going to affect recruiting. Imagine that. Well, um, let me ask you this as a Miami alum. I mean, and, and again, kids are kids, and you can't always, you know, they I make know their own decisions. You know, they make their own, the they right make their own decisions, you know. You you saw this personally, okay, but we won't go there. You've got one of the all-time great Miami alums in Michael Irvin. I mean, one of the all-time great NFL Hall of Famer. And he's got, what, his nephew going to Texas? Uh Hey, look, I can <laughs> I'm not can't saying the kid did anything that. wrong. I'm just saying that just tells you, in my mind, a little bit of where, you know, let's face it, if Miami was the Miami that you knew and, and Michael knew, I'm pretty sure the pull, would, he wouldn't have had to suggest for his, his nephew to go there. It would have been a natural draw. <laughs> um, you, would, you would think so. You would think so. But that just goes to show you that when it comes down to it, and you're talking about your own kid, what are guys going to do? What's, what's a parent going to do? What's the kid going to do? Oh, nothing. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is you, you, you don't have to say anything. If, if they were doing what they were supposed to be doing on the field, usually you wouldn't have to say anything. Unless you had a rebellious kid, they usually want to follow. You know, They've been around it their whole life. I mean, dad or the uncle is cheering all the time on Saturdays for school. They're there since they're little kids. They happen to be doing the same thing. The pull is usually there. I mean, it's not a co- you know. I mean, I follow a program like USC. It's not a coincidence that they have s- such a lineage of sons and uncles and nephews going to USC. You go look at their roster most years. It's like, oh, that guy's father played there in 1982. You know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's obviously something that has been brought up. Um, and and I'm not blaming you know, the kid. I, I mean, he makes his own decision, and you know, you're Charlie going Strong's to make the best recruiter. decision. You're going yeah. to make the best decision yeah. for you. That's just how that's going to work every time. You know, I mean, and the kid, the, you, you know, the, kid the big kid that went to Miami. No offense, that wide receiver um, decommitted from Alabama almost on the stage at that game. I mean, basically mm-hmm. <laughs> that morning. Yeah, it's, that was a head, crazy, doesn't it? That was a head scratcher for me. Um, well, listen, man, are we going to take a total dump on my alma mater here? I mean, there are some redeeming qualities. Listen, I love, I root for your alma mater. I tell you that all the time. I mean that sincerely, but I mean, I, you know, until, until I see something going in the right direction, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess if you want to get on the field, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the decision from that perspective. Sure. Hey, well, you're the athletic director at the University of Miami. Do you fire Al Golden? Money, economics aside. Listen, here's the only reason I might say no, and the only reason is the things you've told me. I mean, who can I hire? That's the question. If you don't have a plan, you can't. Firing the coach for the sake of firing the coach is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are they have a recruiting class. I'm going to assume that you would have a plan. I would have a plan, and if I had a plan. And I had a reasonable budget to hire a staff. I'm not saying eight million a year for Jim Harbaugh, but a reasonable budget. I would probably fire Al Golden. I just don't your see re- the your, your reasons would be yes. I don't see the program moving in the direction that you know. I I, I think of Miami playing, especially in the ACC. I, I mean, to me, that's a program that every year should be competing for its division championship. Not necessarily winning it, but really right there to, with a chance to win it. I mean, you're in a you're in a side of the division 
with Georgia Tech, Duke, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. That's a great basketball division, but um, for football, you know, the, the name So, in other words, is, they should be dominating and winning that thing on – it should be Do you disagree? I mean, Georgia Tech's a nice program. They went 11-3, and three, but Georgia Tech's not a 10-11 win program every year. I mean, that's a that's an 8-7 win program, and every once in a while they jump up and why win did 10 they or win, Why did they win 10 in the regular season? <laughs> why? I thought they Why'd had a nice team. This year? I thought they had a nice team, good scheme, and I thought the rest of the division stunk. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you may very well be right I mean, about that. Seriously? I mean, you're asking me. I mean, North Carolina, Pitt. I mean, Pitt blew. A, 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 Pitt gave up 21 points in the last three and a half minutes of a bowl game to lose to Houston. So you can't say they were unmotivated. They were up 34 to 10 or something like that. I, I know a Pitt alum locally. I sent him a congrats. I said, hey, you guys won your bowl game. Good start to the year. He said, are you busting me or are you serious? I said, well, I, you know, I stopped watching it. It was like 34-6. He said they lost, 35-34. Knowing you, you were probably busting them. You knew no, I swear well to God I wasn't. I, I, Chad, I, I swear on my kids. I, I assume they won. I mean, I, I can't watch Pitt play Houston. I saw the score on my phone. I said, oh, good, Pitt won. Sent him a note, good start to the year. He thought, he thought I was busting him, and then he realized I was sincere. <laughs> You gotta love. You gotta love. I mean, look at that. Bold. I mean, are you disagreeing with me that you don't think that basically year in year out Miami should be right near the top of that division, and every once in a while you'll have a Georgia Tech that beats them out and they finish second? But seriously, you look at that division. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, I think they should win the division every year, and here's why I say that: because even in a year where perhaps you have a team upset you, let's say Georgia Tech upsets you. Um, the rest of those guys are probably going to beat on each other, and they're going to end up with two losses. And Miami should not have more than one loss in 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 their side of the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to listen. I'm not even going to go to the SEC. Let me pretend. I'll take. I'm going to take Arizona State. Nice program on the rise. You know, definitely not. Uh, uh, a USC, a Stanford, and Oregon, but a good program. It's on its way up. Seems to be doing well. If I put them in that division, I can almost guarantee you they would have won it the last three years easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're correct. You're correct. I just think it's going to be very difficult going forward uh, for an ACC team to find themselves in this 14 playoff, especially if the Big 12 happens to get their act together and start having a, a championship game. As bad as they did in this bowl season, shall we say, and there's, like I said, there's several reasons why uh, you know teams will lose a, a bowl game that they are expected to win. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be very difficult for them. When you have a team that won 29 games in a row, end up third, and they were the only undefeated team, in that four-team playoff, what's that tell you? Well, and I sent you a note. How about how about we do this? The last two major winning streaks of the ilk of Florida State were Miami's, which won 34 in a row and ended in 2002 in the Ohio State game on, on a close call and then went double overtime and they ended up losing. That's how what it took to end that 34-game winning streak, right? 
Mm-hmm. USC had 34 in a row. They lost on the Vince Young game, which is now a, a, a special on football life on the NFL Network. They call it the greatest college game ever played. 19 seconds left. It took Superman to beat that 34-game streak. And Florida State's 29 ends, 59-20. Mm-hmm. I know. Amazing. So you tell me. 59 That's not 20. how you should go out after winning 29 games. But, well, uh, you, but, you know, at some point here, with some point here, we do need to give a tremendous amount of credit to Oregon. Uh, I think there's a reason, obviously, that you and I had them at the end of this thing uh, when we were doing our predictions back in July, and they have, you know, really flexed their muscle towards the end of this year. And, uh, I, you know, it's going to be very difficult for Ohio State to pull off this upset. But what about Urban Meyer? And the job that he, I mean, the guy's a damn good football coach, Emil. Oh, he's a, he's a really good coach, and you know that that par, you know that kind of parlays us or par- takes us into the whole, you know, glee at Michigan of Harbaugh. And while I think Harbaugh is a great coach, what Michigan's dealing with is not the Michigan that see these guys still think they're in 1978 and it's Bow and Woody. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at that division with Urban Meyer there and with the job Michigan State's doing there. You know, Michigan is in a is in a race, and if Penn State gets their act together, you know, just because you got Jim Harbaugh, that doesn't mean it's hey, back to the good old days. We're playing for national championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other side of that division, you got Wisconsin that that Michigan didn't deal with 30 years ago. Wisconsin's become a powerhouse. So doesn't this doesn't this just though make you put your don't you just feel uh, a certain kind of way about the fact now, especially now with this hiring and, you know, what's at Ohio State? Don't you feel a certain kind of way now about both of these teams being in the same side of the Big Ten? Wouldn't it be nice if Michigan was on one side and Ohio State oh, was on the other? Yeah, I mean, you would, it would make for, you know, hey, we can potentially get these guys playing every year for the championship. But I think that's what they're trying to avoid by doing that, saying they're going to play every year anyway because they're rivals. If we stick them on the opposite side, we don't want that back-to-back. And why not? Well, that goes to the Emil and Chad saying, which we we talked about years ago with that Alabama-LSU rematch. Very tough to beat a team, a quality team, a second time, and probably not real fair in the way college football is set up. I guess so. I guess you, 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 you see what I'm out. saying. I, I think that they may have done some preemptive work there and said, listen, these guys are going to play every year. So, you know, let's let's do let's do the smart thing and keep them. So if they're going to play the last game of the year, we don't want them rematching a week later for a million reasons. And I, I'm not Which sure that's what a, uh, University of Miami fans were hoping to have as a problem uh, when when they when the ACC. But at least Miami and Florida State traditionally have played their games more toward October, mid-year, most of the time. Especially that whole series of wide right games. I know they were in October because I remember where I was at that point. Um, so, you know, they they don't necessarily play the last game of the year. So the rematch would have a couple months between it, and you could build build that differently than, hey, they just played last week. Want to see it again? Uh, true. Uh, would it have been so hard to change the uh, meeting of the Michigan-Ohio State, or is it just so entrenched in that being the last game of the year? You I don't know. You'd have like to be like me asking you, do you want to change when they play Army-Navy and Alabama-Auburn? That's just one of those where I think that, it's the last it has to game. Be that last game, huh? Yeah, don't you well, think? Well, I, I guess, I guess you're right about that. I guess you're right about. Well, I'm not that. right. Uh, I'm just. It's an observation. I want to say one other thing before we go to pro football, and a lot of Florida State fans aren't going to like this. I kind of felt if people were not looking at records and winning streaks, which is hard to do when a team wins 29 in a row, 
I felt this kind of going in, but you know, you can't you can't say it too loud because you have to give them credit for being 29, winning 29 in a row. That TCU should have been that fourth team anyway. I mean, the eye test to me said TCU was a better team than Florida State. So let me see if I understand what you're saying. I'm saying that the playoff should have included TCU, and if you just wanted to say who are the four best teams, I mean the Big mm-hmm. 12 sure it was two and five, the ACC was three and six in the bowl. So we we learned nothing there other than both conferences stink. And having watched mm-hmm. all their games this year, and TCU's lone loss being a 21 point blown lead on the road at Baylor where they lost by three, watching their games basically, I said TCU is a better team than Florida State. Now, I understand the merit system, and you get credit for winning 29 in a row, so I'm not arguing that they should have dropped Florida State. But I think if you purely did the eye test and you were being honest with yourself, TCU was a better team even before they killed Mississippi. So you'd rather seen TCU versus Oregon, basically. Well, not necessarily TCU versus you. I mean, yes, in that game I would love, I would have loved to seen TCU versus Oregon. I think Oregon still would have handled them, but I would have loved it. I, bet you, I, I wouldn't put it this way. Do you, do you think – do you think I'm being crazy to say TCU would have put up a much better fight? Well, it's easy to say that now. <laughs> well, I, I understand that, but I mean, are, do you disagree that oh, the body of work, if you go look at what TCU did, was probably not a little bit more impressive than Florida State's or no? I mean, you know, I'm just throwing it yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you know, when you you got to look at margin of victory and all all that other stuff and, you know, Florida State – Struggle in several games. They struggle against a Miami team that ended up the season six and seven. Um, you know, they probably could have lost. They struggle against, against everyone. They struggle against everyone that could walk forward and, you know, chew gum at the same time. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I understand a win is a win is a win. I get that. But that's the NFL. In college, we're not all playing the same team. So you have to sort of consider margin of victory. And when you see games where they were up three or six points against the Citadel and beat them 37 12. You you know you see games where they're you know struggling with NC State, uh, you know Notre Dame. We saw that game. We saw the Louisville game. We saw like you said Miami, a six and seven Miami team. The Boston College game. Boston College had a nice little team, but twenty to seventeen at home against Boston College. Florida couldn't uh, figure out who their quarterback was this year until the end. They beat them twenty four nineteen. I mean, I'm just saying. At some point, you have to say, okay. This team is just getting by because they have a great college quarterback, period. Does this open a door down the road for possibly an undefeated team from one of the Power Five conferences not getting into? If they have a week out-of-conference schedule, I think it does. I think that these guys are going to start looking at this as they refine this process going forward, saying, listen, we have to look at the conference. We have to look at what they did out-of-conference in September and October. We have to look at who the team specifically played out of conference besides the one, you know. And I think if you go through and you have, you know, three cupcakes on your schedule and you're in a weak conference and you go 12-0, and 13-0, and, and and there's a bunch of other teams that are one loss or undefeated themselves, yeah, you might be on the outside looking in. They, it happens in basketball all the time. A team will go 27-5 and five and lose the whack championship game, and then they'll look at their, their schedule and say, well, okay, you're 27-5 and five because you played in the whack and, you know, your out-of-conference schedule includes a bunch of cupcakes, so you're not in. Sorry, this, go play in the NIT. But does this open a door for a lack of sportsmanship where, you know, teams are going to feel pressured to, to, to you know, score that extra touchdown and have the wider margin of victory? Uh, for fair I could, but I don't excluded. think the margin of victory is necessarily what they're looking at. I think they're looking at who did you play. In other words, 
you know, be, beating, uh, and I'll use the Citadel because I they saw them pop up on Florida State's schedule. Whether Florida State beat the Citadel 61-7 to or 44-7 to wasn't going to matter. The point is you want to see them control the game like that. And I think that these guys are astute enough on this committee that they're, they have all year to go through these teams and look at them. And I think what's happening is they're going to start saying, who are you playing? Maybe the mere fact that you're playing the Citadel is the issue, not that what you beat them by. In other words, why are they on your schedule? You're Florida State. Why are you playing the Citadel? Um, true. I don't think the Citadel game hurt them. No, all those other no, but I think it's made. the. I think again, I always say totality, context. It's everything. In other words, if Florida State went out and destroyed everybody in their path, and they had the Citadel on their schedule, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But when it gets close, you ask me, could an undefeated team? Yeah, I think if there's another year where a team goes through and they pick apart the schedule and say, listen, your conference stunk. You had three out of conference games. One was against a, an FCS team. The other two were against uh, you know a couple. You know, bottom feeders from you know whatever conference, the Sun Belt. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're out. Sorry, the other team that's 13 and one played uh, Alabama out of conference, uh, <laughs> Notre Dame and whoever. You know, mm-hmm. you don't think that uh, could happen? It's it's possible. I, I do need to also bring this up. Obviously, it wasn't an issue this year. We've railed a lot, and many have railed a lot on the Big 12 not having a championship game. Uh, and that being a big reason why Baylor and TCU found themselves on the outside looking in. What then do we do about Notre Dame in a year where they happen to be a pretty good team with one loss? Well, I can tell you what will happen versus what should happen. If if Notre Dame feels a a top ten team and has one loss, they're going to be given heavy consideration for this because of TV ratings, and that's just the way it is. I mean, do I, I don't think know, Amo, but I mean, oh, listen, when they go back and they look at these college football playoff games, the two that occurred on Thursday and the one that's going to come up here that's going to obviously probably may indeed break some, some mm-hmm. television viewership records for college football, is it going to matter who we put in those games? I mean, are well, gonna be I, I can't answer that because here's, here's the problem. This was the first year it was new, so it's hard to answer when something's new. Number two, you had three historically great programs, okay, and I'm excluding Oregon, because Oregon, while they've been great for the last 10 to 15 years, or really good for the last 10 to 15 years, bordering on great now, they're, they're historically, I think their program just crossed 500 if you go look at their record. They've never won national championship. But Florida State, Ohio State, and Alabama, I'm not sure you could ask for better if you're that committee the first year. I mean, you've got three big names in college football in that playoff the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, 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 can't, we're talking, I can't answer. This thing's going to be about Power 5 conferences, so man, we're going to okay, end up the, let, me, let, me, let me make a Final Four for you, and, and let's suppose it was this. I'm not sure your viewer ratings are the same. Okay? We we get a Jim Volvano 2 moment, and North Carolina State goes 12-0. and 0. They're in the playoff. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got North Carolina State. Uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin has a phenomenal year. They're in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I slide down to the SEC, and and my God, the Arkansas Razorbacks are on fire. They're in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And then I slide over to the Pac-12, and it's Washington. So I got Arkansas, Washington, Wisconsin. <laughs> Quite the perfect North- storm you've put together there. Well, I'm just you. saying. 
in North Carolina State, yeah, you'd probably still have good ratings because as we talk about, people love football and people also love to gamble on football and they'd be championship games, but I'm not sure they'd blow the roof off. Uh, you're right. If if something as crazy as that were to happen, sure. But, you know, when, when I'm bringing up Notre Dame, I don't know, I think aren't we kind of talking about we're talking Chad, about they have their own TV station, man. I mean, you think the ratings were good? You think the ratings were good this year? You stick Notre Dame in a playoff, okay? And you have them somehow meet um, a Texas or an Ohio State or a USC in a final, and see what the ratings would be. Yeah, I got to give it to you on that. Um, I can't. They have their own TV station. This is this is a school that they actually go on NBC, which is one of your three majors, and have all their games televised. Can you, can you imagine if that would have been Notre Dame that made it in and uh, and uh, a TCU who was undefeated didn't make it in? Wait for that well, to happen. At, at some point, you know, they've got to put pressure on Notre Dame, the, the powers in the NCAA, if they really want to be fair to say get your ass in a conference because, you know what, you, you're already being penalized. You better keep going undefeated if you want to get in this. I mean, somebody I would think be- that that's what should happen. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, get your ass in a conference. Stop with this, you know, one foot in the water. We'll play five games against the ACC because we play in the ACC for everything else. You know, go get in a conference. If it's the ACC, fine, get in the ACC. Call one of your buddies to make it 16. Tell somebody else to join you. And, uh, you know, let's get with the times. I mean, somebody needs to have that conversation, frankly. And if, if Notre Dame says, screw it, we make more money having our own TV station, fine. You don't play all your you know games on most, NBC. You know what's the most important thing in this scenario? Notre Dame's got to get back to going undefeated. We'll be back right after this break. <laughs> in season, out of season, FitSpeed.com gives you the edge. Over 150 professional athletes and 5,000 youth and high school athletes as clients. Over 2,500 square feet of indoor turf. That includes two indoor 50-yard lanes, plus a fully equipped weight room with the latest and most technically advanced equipment available. That's over 8,000 square feet of total workout space. Plus, they have the best training staff anywhere in the country. It's owned by current NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall. It's why athletes like Chad Ochocinco work out there, and it's why you should work out there too. If you want to be the best, get on your grind and visit fitspeed.com today. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Studs when you sign up. 
but you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grits. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. here on Monday, January 5th, 2015, almost said 14 there, Emil, back from the mega break, uh, something went down in Dallas. Now, I'm driving back from Birmingham, so all I could do is hear the game on the radio, which uh, is the only thing that really makes five hours of driving straight go by, you know, having having XM radio in the car and being able to listen to these games. Otherwise, I don't think I could do all that driving. Amo, I think I did 18 hours of driving. Wow. That's impressive. You know, I need a truck or Or sad. How do you want to look at it? Well, one of the two. It was for a good reason. Went to the Birmingham Bowl yes. to watch the Florida Gators play to East Carolina. And if you don't know by now, my son plays on the team. So they ended the year in the right way. Great trip. Went with the family. Uh, you know, good all that stuff. But, you know, the driving. A lot of good pictures. I saw that. Kid. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, we had a good time, no doubt about it. But the five-hour ride, we stopped in Gainesville, obviously, and then uh, the five-hour ride home is only uh, made palatable by having XM in a car and being able to listen to the game. So I'm listening to the game. Detroit, Dallas, seems like a pretty good game going on. Cowboys were trying their best to dump this thing in the toilet. But 
we had something happen in a game, Emil, that I don't think I've ever seen before. And I've played a lot of football, obviously watched a lot of football in my 42 years. I heard there was a penalty on a play. Pass interference was called on a Dallas Cowboy player. I don't remember who it was. You'll fill in the details for me. Mm-hmm. Flag is thrown. I'm assuming the referees talked, again, because I couldn't see it, listening to it on the radio. Penalty is announced. Pass interference on the defense. Spot foul, blah, blah, blah. Then I'm hearing penalty was taken away. Now, I've seen flags waved off, obviously. We've all seen that. I've never heard a penalty discussed, announced, and then thereafter taken away. Have you ever seen that happen before? Uh, not not to my recollection, but let me set it up for you in that I've read about this just to see the backstory of what Morelli, the head ref, had to say and other things. Okay, First of all, people are acting like a, a penalty flag's never been picked up. Uh, you and I both know that's silliness. There was one picked up earlier in the game where Detroit was called for a penalty and they waved it off. Okay, so let's start with they do pick up flags, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, what people need to understand with NFL officiating in the playoffs it is not a crew, in other words, that's been together all year. For some godforsaken reason, instead of keeping the crew and grading the crew and saying, you guys are the best crew overall, we're going to keep you together, they go official by official. So, Chad, you are a referee and you are the best, one of the four best. you got a game this weekend. Emil, you're a linesman. you got a game. Well, you and I never work together. Okay? And, and believe it or not, these guys, you know, like anything else in life, learn how to work together. What Morelli said was, and he took the blame for it, he said he got the information on the penalty as the head referee saying they were calling a P.I. It was the judge on the far side of the field away from the play that threw the initial flag. He said, I announced the penalty probably prematurely because as the guys conferred and got together as I was announcing it, the head linesman closer to the play said he did not think it was a PI, it was a face guard, and as you know as a defensive back, face guarding, while illegal in college football, is perfectly legal in the NFL as long as you're not hand fighting with the guy. If you're hand fighting, you better be looking at the ball. But if you're not hand fighting, you're perfectly allowed to run in the guy's face, not touch him, and let the ball hit you in the back. Okay. So then let Uh, me go further. I'm not even saying, let's go back to the penalty. I actually then went and read on ESPN's got a guy, an insider, who grades the officials on the close calls that happen every weekend during the year and whatnot, mm-hmm. and then talks about them, what they saw, and you know how it, you know how statistically how it impacted the game. They run, you know, you know what was their percentage of winning. So he said number one, if you look at the penalty, the PI, you could easily make the argument that you could have thrown it or not. It could have been a face guard. It could not have been a face guard. He didn't run the guy over. The receiver had both hands open. It hit Hitchens was the linebacker in the trail position, the rookie. It hit him in the back. But here's what he did say about the penalties that could have and should have been called on the play. Number one, there should have been a flag, not for P.I. necessarily on Hitchens. That was a 50-50 call. I mean, like you said, you could say face guard or not. But Hitchens touched the guy on the shoulder, used his hand beyond five yards before the ball was even thrown. So that's so an illegal a, contact. That's an illegal contact five-yard first down. But at the same time, if you rewatch the play, which Lion fans don't want to hear, mm-hmm. the wide receiver Pettigrew put his hands to the face of Hitchens to separate himself for the, from the ball, which is an automatic flag 
hands-to-the-face offsetting penalty. So the real penalty that actually probably should have been called and wasn't after the offsetting penalty was that Des Bryant was five yards onto the field without his helmet on protesting the call originally, Mm -hmm. which is a 15-yard penalty and would have given Detroit a first down on the Dallas 31. Well, you know, certainly not going to make Detroit Lions fans feel any better today. Well, but here's what the guy went on to say, and this is what I was trying to say to you. I don't know if I said it to you, but I said, if this was a call that definitely was the last call, like the Miami-Ohio State game that still sits in your craw, that that call was the last call of the game. If if he doesn't, it, it's over the game. There's no arguing. If there's no penalty, right. the, the game is over. Mm-hmm. There's eight and a half minutes left in the game. The Lions lead by three points. The only thing this call did, gave them was a first down on the, somewhere between the Dallas 32 and 35-yard line. They might have kicked a field goal. They might have fumbled on the next play. They might have scored a touchdown. None of us know what would have happened. Hell, they could have thrown a pick six with Stafford on the next play. We don't know. But well, here's what we do know, because I'm sick of crying about this. I usually don't cry much about refs. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you notice that, but because they make calls, I know that. They make bad calls either way, both ways. What we do know is the Lions led this game 14 nothing. The Lions managed to get outscored 24-6 over the last three quarters. The Lions led the game 20-7. to They managed to get outscored 17 nothing since then. The Lions went 4-for-12 on third and fourth down. The Cowboys went 8-for-16. The Lions turned the ball over three times. The Cowboys didn't turn the ball over on their offense, only the defensive end foolishly running with a fumble recovery. So basically what I'm telling you is the Lions had many chances to win this game. They punted on fourth and one after that. Their punter hit a 10-yard punt. They could have went for it and got it. They could have punted Dallas down to the 10-yard line. They could have stopped Dallas. They could have gotten so at the, the ball end of the day, At the end of the day, you're saying far too much is being made about this play that I have had a chance to look at. Now, you know, I'm going to be admitting. Listen, I'm not I'm, arguing the fact I'm, that if you called some penalty, and I, like I broke it down for you and said, let's even assume that the P.I.'s fine because it was, you know, even Howie Long said after the game, listen, if he never threw the flag, you, you could even, you could be pissed if you're a Lion fan and say, oh, we should have got that call, but nobody would be talking about it. The fact that they threw the flag was the issue, not is like why you know, it is an issue. Yes, I've had a chance to watch it. I'm a defensive-minded individual, so yeah. um, I say so. I do throw that up as the disclaimer. Um, I don't see pass interference on that particular play, but a flag was thrown. No, no, because you understand the rule. Most fans don't understand the rule. If Hitchens is hand fighting, everybody's saying he didn't get his head around. If Hitchens is hand fighting a guy down the field in that position and doesn't get his hand around. What I mean by hand fighting is the stuff you see these guys doing. One guy's jockeying, the Put other guy's jockeying. Put it on, slap jockeying. it off. Put it on, slap yeah. it off. Yes. Yeah, you've got to turn, turn around and look for the ball, and the ref's going to let you go and say you were trying to make a play. But as long as you're not doing that in the NFL, you are perfectly legal running in between a guy, not hitting him, and just letting the ball hit you in the helmet if he puts his hands up. It's not a penalty. So, But let's, aside from that, let's say they, we agree that they should have thrown a flag on desk. They're making too much of the fact that it, there was eight and a half minutes left in the game. The only thing a first down that Dallas 32 gives you is a first down. There's no guarantee. Well, you know, momentum is a big thing in playoff games. Let's not throw that out. But I understand that. I just love that, how these guys come up with these percentages, percent chances. But what I'm trying to say that. is they the kicked the ball. There, there, they had five chances from that point forward to win, the, to not win it, but to control the game. They could have went for a fourth and one and hammered it in their first down. They could have punted them deep and made Dallas go 90 yards or 80 yards instead of 60. Okay, they punted it sideways. They could have stopped Dallas and held them to a field goal or less. 
they could have, when Dallas scored the touchdown, they got the ball back with two and a half minutes left, two timeouts and the two-minute warning. In pro football, that's called all day, okay? Mm-hmm. Then Dallas mm-hmm. has your quarterback play in traffic, creates a fumble, and has their own rookie defensive end. When the game's essentially over, try to run with it and hand it back to you with two minutes left and a fresh set of downs. And at well, the I end think, of the uh, day, you I didn't get it done. I think what went down yesterday, though, Emil, I think what went down yesterday just points to a, uh, something that a point that I've tried to make several times on the show something I've been battling with quite a bit on social media with some, you know, people with the offensive guru types. And that's, I don't know, we'll have a chance to get into that today. Probably not. But when you don't have a running game, okay, a powerful running game that you can call upon in certain situations. And this sounds like, uh, um, it sounds like I'm cursing. uh, I it's the worst thing in the world. I could say to some of these offensive coordinators, not every time that you get the football, You're trying to score. Well, let me clean that up. Let me try and explain it to you this way. For some of these guys, trying to score is is calling their best pass plays and trying to pass the ball down the field to someone so that we can notch another score on there. And certain times when you're trying to do that, you end up with three incompletions, no time taken off the clock, and your tired defense goes back out on the field. And you have uh, a little bit of what we saw yesterday. They had a 20 to 7 lead, am I correct? Detroit 20 to 7. Dallas scored the last 17 points of the game. If Detroit has Dallas's running game, Dallas is done today. That's okay? right. If if you have someone you could turn around and hand the ball to and tell your offensive line, I want you to move these guys off of the spot and I don't care if they put five or six guys on the line of scrimmage, seven or eight, nine guys in the box. We're going to run this football and we're going to chew this clock down and we're going to strangle the other team with the clock. And Detroit just doesn't have that. 12 carries for 43 yards for Bell, the leading rusher for Detroit, in a game in which you had a 13-point lead in the second half. Eight carries for 37 yards for Reggie Bush. In that situation, is Detroit trying to score? No. Can you score in that situation? You very well can. Wear a team down and you end up scoring a touchdown. Yeah, you might score because of the play calling, but... If you're trying to score through the air, that's not the way to go. And listen, everybody who listens to this show, I admit I'm a Cowboys fan, but my problem is not the call, and we can discuss it. That's interesting to me. What is what is silliness is, again, like you were going off on Florida State, the social media stuff. Oh, the NFL fixed it. They know the Dallas-Green Bay game. Oh, they fixed it? Listen, if the NFL wanted to fix the game, what they could have done is left a totally legitimate suspension of, of Sue in place for a guy who stepped on guys several times, but instead they said, hey, give us 70 grand. We want you to play in this game. Okay? <laughs> uh, what did I not, like, I loosely saw this. Did I not see pictures of the head of the refs being on a Dallas bus? What is that? Did, did you, have you happened to see any of that? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. It's more Jerry silliness. Jerry also has strippers on his bus with him, and we have pictures. Jerry's an idiot. Okay, but these guys, this whole fixing the if they wanted to fix this game, number one, the best way to do it is just uphold the suspension, and that really hurts Detroit. Okay, number two, again, I go back to the fact. You want to discuss the call, that's interesting. The only thing that call made was a first down. At the end of the day, okay, to say that that's the reason Dallas won, no, the reason Dallas won is the stuff you and I discussed. Detroit has no running game. They had a 13-point lead. They didn't run the ball because they can't, okay? Detroit had 
a fourteen nothing first quarter lead. They could have started pounding from that point forward and shortening the game. They didn't. Detroit needed to blitz early on. That's how they got the sacks of Romo. Well, when you play with fire, sometimes you get burned. They had a third and twelve. They brought heat. He hits his fast guy from Baylor, and before you know it, it's fourteen seven. Okay, on an eighty yard play. That's the reasons that in in the end. The haters don't want to admit it because they hate the Cowboys, and more importantly, they really hate that Tony Romo won a playoff game. That's what bothers these people more than anything, because most of them yeah, are Lions and, fans. And, and and you know them breaking through that that you know threshold. Uh, Tony Romo, I'm talking about, finally winning a game could mean that you know that monkey's off his back, and it could lead to a bunch of other great things coming down the road. And that's scary. Well, I felt I felt like Romo yesterday played like a guy for a little while that 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 felt that pressure because of those six sacks. Having watched the game live, I would put two to three on the line where they either brought pressure with the blitz or someone beat a man. The other three or four, depending on how critical you want to be of Romo, were completely about him holding the ball for four or five seconds, where you're sitting there as a fan going, "What the hell are you doing, Tony?" And I think he just couldn't let it rip sometimes yesterday because. I think he felt that pressure, and I feel like he becomes more dangerous now that he won that game, and nobody he doesn't have to listen to. Oh, you lost again in the first round. Yeah, a little bit of the self doubt that he might have been carrying around has has been lifted. They're definitely headed for a war though next week in Green Bay, but I think some good things are to come. Well, let's intertwine two things here. Uh, we're going to talk about the other games because, believe it or not, there were other games played this weekend uh, having to do with the NFL playoffs, not this, not just the Cowboys and the Lions. So let's build our discussion in about both of these things um, into the picks that we made this weekend, and we did very, very well for those of you who are paying attention, which should be all of you within earshot of us right now. Five and one between the two of us um, certainly takes the stink off of uh, what we've been doing in this college bowl season. But nevertheless, yeah, well, you know what? Here. College, uh, just so you know, going into the finals, so we won't even go through that. We'll, we, we wrapped up college before Monday's game. You were 26 26 in a couple pushes, so you were 500 in college. And I ended up 23 29 in a couple pushes. So you have me in college by three games. You'll obviously be our college champion, if you want to say that. Uh, so, yeah. and then we'll do, we'll go over the. Is that is that my ending record there? Twenty six. Well, we're going to make a pick on 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 the game for the championship, but yeah, that's your record. Lord, you were five hundred in college. Congratulations. So Better pressure. than me. Yeah, so much pressure because uh, I certainly don't. I don't think I've ever ended a season under five hundred. So, be a lot of pressure on me there, and you know, I got a lot to do to figure out who the, what the hell is going to happen in this final game. But talking about the NFL, there was another game that uh, went down yesterday. We'll talk about that one. It was the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Both of us had Indianapolis minus three. I believe your 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 pick was more about uh, not really believing in uh, Andy Dalton. Probably a good idea there. Mine was more about the Colts being at home and, and having Andrew Luck and uh, just having a lot of advantages on their side for a team only favored by three points. Um, a lot of people talking about Cincinnati's roster way better than Indianapolis. I didn't really see that. Um, I don't know what to make of Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, he had some pretty good games when A.J. Green was out this year, but I, I don't know. Is he a big-time receiver? And, and after that, what do they have there in their receiving core to even help Andy Dalton out? Um, Nothing. Jump off the backs. I, they don't. They don't really have as much as people want to say that they do. No. Um, they nothing. have some talent on defense, but they're talking about this great secondary. 
listen, you wanted Terrence Newman out of town in Dallas. And I watched Terrence Newman get, you know, he played decent this year, but I watched him get manhandled by Mike Evans, a rookie, earlier this year. It's a well, I'm not trying to be there. funny. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I heard he was still playing for the Bengals. I'm not trying to be funny. I follow this more than most people. Yeah, I mean, an Adam Pacman Jones at this point is a journeyman cornerback who plays very well, by the way. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's he's not an elite corner in this league, and I, I don't understand where people were saying there was so much of a difference in these two rosters. I mean, the Colts have Andrew Luck. You've got T.Y. Hilton. This Moncrief, uh, the rookie kid, uh, ended up playing well. Ha- Hakeem Nix has some experience. You've got Reggie Wayne. Uh, the running backs that they seem to have are, uh, you know, they're not Jeremy Hill, but they're not chopped liver either. So I, I didn't see the big difference. And, you know, the Colts went out and handled their business. It's probably the Yeah, I, line listen, I them, frankly didn't even understand the line. The Colts beat them 27 nothing on the same field earlier this year, and there's a good chance that A.J. Green wasn't playing in the game, which he didn't. Um, why this was three, three-and-a-half points when it went up, I have no idea. Yeah, uh, so we jumped all over that. It took full advantage of it and ended up with a winner there as the Colts go out and uh, handle their business against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And then the other game we already discussed yesterday, you didn't make a pick on. I took Dallas minus the six and a half, and ironically, if Senby saw the end of that game, I almost stepped in it because when they caused Stafford to fumble with 220 left in the game or 210 left in the game, uh, Detroit had uh, their timeouts left. Dallas would have been on the Detroit 20. They would have run it up the middle three times, let the clock go down to about 50 seconds, kicked a field goal from 26 yards or 35 yards out, and went up 27-20. And I also had Bailey, the most accurate kicker in NFL history, miss a 38-yarder earlier in the game but hit a 51-yarder. So I took I took some bad breaks on the cover there, but whatever. It was a loss for me. You didn't pick the game. Yeah, I stayed away. I felt like the line was about right in that in that contest, and uh, you know, ended up ended up being the case. But again, you had some opportunities for that to be a cover on uh, Saturday. We had the uh, late one. You and I were were uh, right on this one. We took Baltimore. Pittsburgh had a better season, I think, than what you expected. Even a better season than what I expected. I think right. they ended up a little better than I predicted way back in July. But uh, I just saw this being as the end of their season, and they really did miss Le'Veon Bell. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't take a guy out like that and not miss him. But but I will say this, you know, up here in Steeler country, um, you know, I'm not trying to minimize Bell because I felt that I, that was one of the reasons I picked Baltimore. But he played the first time Baltimore beat them by 20. I think that he's a key factor. But for one game, you have guys on your roster that get paid. I just think the Steelers' game plan and their offensive line got beat up in this game. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, Baltimore got tremendous pressure on Roethlisberger. They knocked him around. Uh, yeah, and I was on uh, I was on the the uh, Ravens, regardless of Bell being in there or not. But uh, listen, we, we neither one of us could sit here and say that uh, not having him didn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, he's one of the best players at that position. All I'm saying is, if I'm the Ra- if I'm the Steelers, if I can keep Roethlisberger upright and comfortable in that game, he's having a field day against that secondary because the Baltimore. The Baltimore defense is predicated on pressure this year. They're, they're, the back end of their defense is not good. Yeah, uh, and, and this, this is definitely true. Nevertheless, though, Baltimore goes into Pittsburgh and gets themselves a road win. 
uh, you know, at the beginning of this season when it was the whole Ray Rice deal and then Baltimore had their ups and downs during the year, I guess few would have expected them to make it to the playoffs, let alone advance to the next round. They do get a nice prize next week as having to go to New England. Um, you know, we'll do our research on that. Now, but off the top of my head, I see the season being over for the Baltimore Ravens. I hope they enjoyed the win against Pittsburgh. The uh, earlier game that day, Carolina and Arizona. How about the sub-500 Carolina Panthers moving on in the NFL playoffs? Yeah, you could kind of see that coming, though. Their defense, I give you credit for having the guts to take it. Their defense has been playing better, and really, I mean, that performance, quarter, whatever quarterback is playing for Arizona was still pathetic. I mean, 82 yards, they weren't playing the mm-hmm. Bears. I mean, they weren't playing the 85 Bears is what I mean by that. I mean, come on. 82 no, yards? No, uh, a pathetic offensive performance. But as I pointed out when we were making the pick, Arizona has struggled mightily offensively down the road here. I, don't, I think there may have been one game in the last six or seven maybe uh, in which they were able to go above 17 points. Well, they, they weren't lighting it up when Palmer was in there. I mean, that's the funny thing. You know, you look at them. I told you when we were on Friday's show, you know, the game that stuck in my craw with them was the game I saw them play against my team with Palmer when Whedon played quarterback for Dallas, which was a similar situation what Arizona had on, on Saturday. It was 14-10 middle of the third quarter. I mean, fourth quarter. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about with Palmer. I mean, they, they struggled all year. They did. They did struggle offensively all year, and even more so when uh, they were forced to have Lindley. Now, I just would wonder why Logan Thomas couldn't come in the game. Didn't get it. Really didn't understand it because I really felt like, you know what, um, I don't think it can be worse than what I'm seeing. Yeah, and perhaps, you, you, you know, I'm not a big advocate of the quarterback that wants to run around, but in one game, in this situation, and you've got a guy there that's passed for 82 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, what do you got to lose? Well, you know, before we go anywhere, and you know, but I know we're getting close to the end here, but, you know, the way Carolina called that fourth quarter, you want to talk? You were going off before. How about that? How puzzling that was. It's twenty-seven fourteen. You've you've seen three and a half quarters of football. There's there's about ten minutes left in the game. You know that Arizona could not score if you locked them in that stadium by themselves overnight with the lights on. Okay, that's how bad it was. You're calling pass plays. Cam Newton's fumbling the ball. I mean, the only thing that saved Carolina from being in a 27-21 game with, with eight or nine minutes left was that Lindley threw it right back to them on the next play thanks, inside the 20. Thanks. I want to thank Lindley for doing that uh, and kicking off my season. Yeah, but am right I, way, you, but you yeah, see I'm my you point? That. What was Ron Rivera thinking about? Why is he dialing up pass plays when he's got a good running game and a 13-point lead against a team that doesn't have 100 yards of offense? Well, perhaps he's thinking, you know, what uh, – Sometimes people get in your head, hey, I go super conservative here, and this team comes back, I'll be, you know, I'll be. Was he not standing on the sidelines watching the whole game? The only way they were coming back is if he helped them. That was it. True, because because of how limited you know Arizona was offensively, I could I could definitely understand that. Maybe perhaps that fueled some of uh, his bravado. Like we can give these guys the ball on the. 12-yard line and nothing's going to happen. Uh, I guess, but you know what? Nonetheless, you made a great pick. You were 3-0. You got your pro record. Congratulations on the comeback. You're 29-24, a couple pushes. Um, For people who don't always listen, Chad was under 500 early in the year. He's really been on fire. Um, I went 2-1. My pro record stands at 36-18 with a push. So uh, 
I've got about a six and a half. Yeah, I can't complain. A six and a half game lead in pros. You've got a three game lead in college. So overall, I've got a three and a half game lead. But we've still got quite a few games left to pick for the season. So well, let's uh, be could, honest, you'd have to do quite horribly, and I'd have to almost, you know, hit some type of. Uh, it could happen. You just swept the board. I take nothing for granted. You just swept the board. Well, you know. I appreciate you sounding like the head coach of several football teams right now, but thank you. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. You know, we still got to line up and play this thing, so we'll we'll see how it all uh, shakes out here. But here's what we got coming up uh, next week, and I, you know, I got to ask you this: which which one of these games here uh, excites you the most uh, coming up next week in in the NFL playoffs? We've got the Saturday games. Baltimore is. Traveling to take on New England, that's the 4.30 game. I guess we'll call that early. And then the late game on Sunday, Saturday night is going to be uh, Carolina versus Seattle on Fox. And Sunday you've got the Cowboys going to take on the Green Bay Packers. And uh, the late game being the Colts taking on the Denver Broncos. I don't know. I guess your obvious answer is going to be Well, I think there's Cowboys only one. I mean, Packers. to be honest with you, on paper, breaking them down quick without giving you picks, I would say the New England game, purely comes down to this. How uncomfortable can Baltimore make Tom Brady? If they can't get the pressure on Brady that they got on Roethlisberger, they're going to have a very long day. Okay? Agreed. Okay, Agreed. so, that's, so to that's me, definitely yeah. I, I mean, I'm most looking forward to the Cowboys and Packers. Yeah, but uh, if you're handicapping that game, to me it's simple. Do you believe that New England can devise a game plan to block Baltimore? If they can, they can probably score a lot of points. Okay. Um, you look at the other game, Seattle-Carolina. could be a closer game than people think. Carolina's played Seattle three or four times over the last four or five years and always played yeah, they've very, got something on very them. tough. They've got something on them. Yeah, no doubt about and it. And the other uh, thing that hurts Seattle is they're going to have a hard time blowing teams out right now without help from their defense because their offense just isn't dynamic enough. So if Carolina can go in there and not turn the ball over like three times like they did this past weekend, and they do that, they're going to get killed. But if they can hang on to the ball – and play this thing tight to the vest. They may hang around in a game like this because I don't know if Seattle can just drive the ball 80 and 90 yards against a decent defense right now. I haven't done my research, but why do I feel the Colts have a chance to beat the Broncos? See, that's one I – the reason I don't know, I don't feel that, and I'll tell you why. The, the Colts' defense is smallish and on grass. I really – that's the one game I feel most confident. See, I'm the opposite. I have to look some more and see what the line is. I really don't even know, but – I'm not so sure. Denver plays pretty good defense this year. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that without a running game, they might not be in some trouble there. I have to see what the number is, though. Yeah, uh, well, you know, the research needs to be done. and then obviously I mean, the Dallas Green Bay game to me, besides the obvious, you know, forget me being a Cowboy fan, you've got two of the iconic franchises in the NFL, the two winningest last I looked by winning percentage, mm-hmm. uh, playing each other. <laughs> in a one o'clock Sunday game in January, where I mean, I don't know if you get if that if there's better TV. I mean, I don't know what the game's going to play out like, and I don't know if it's going to be a good game. But going in, it sure as hell looks like one. One team's thirteen and four, the other team's twelve and four. I mean, well, I'm definitely excited for that game. I mean, I'm look, I'm anxious to see all of these games. Love the NFL playoffs, but that's the one probably that I'm uh, looking forward to the most. Um, can Dallas go out there in Green Bay, and who knows what the conditions will be like? But can they go out there and run the ball the way that they need to to win it? Because let's face it, if they're not running the ball with any amount of uh, efficiency against the Packers, they're, you know. They're I, I agree. And if they have efficiency, I think that game takes a total swing in their favor because I think you'll see frustration set in 
with Green Bay watching as, as the other team has the ball for seven and eight minutes. Yeah, so certainly uh, sets up for some exciting things to come, um, and we'll just have to see how all that goes. All right, and we'll be picking these games come Friday, so uh, we will we'll have our normal. Um, we're back on our regular schedule here, so we will be picking these games on uh, Friday, and uh, we will also have a championship pick for you guys on Fridays. We try to figure out what's going to happen in that Oregon versus Ohio State game. So we, we don't have to pick that Friday. The game is Monday. We can make that championship pick on Monday. LBW. Oh, are we going to hold it like that? Do we have to? Sure, hold it? we'll break yeah, well, down. The, we can break right. the whole Good. game down on Monday. All right, makes sense. See, that's yeah. why we have you here on the show, too. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm good for something. Very interesting things. Yeah, well, you know, that's how that works. All right, so um, until Friday, my friend, um, we are, we're out of here. I'm going to be back on tomorrow, obviously on Tuesday, just a programming announcement. I'm going to have Brett Getz, the uh, owner of the famed and well-esteemed South Florida Express 7-on-7 team. Yes, folks, 7-on-7 season is here. I'm going to have Brett Getz on here to talk about the uh, South Florida Express's tryouts are coming up this weekend. We'll talk high school football, college football recruiting, and all that good stuff uh, tomorrow. So be sure to tune in 10 a.m. I hope you all have had a very happy new year, and it's kicking off right, and you're uh, already tied it up and gotten to work on those resolutions. So for Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. high school recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.